Our gospel for today is from Matthew, the first chapter. An account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram, and Aram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon by his wife Uriah, the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. Hang in there, we're almost there. <laughs> and after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Salathiel, and Salathiel was the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abuid, and Abuid the father of Elcham, and Elikam the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eluid, and Eluid the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Methan, and Methan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. I feel like I should get a medal after reading that one. Aren't you glad I didn't ask you to do this? There you go. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I had the opportunity to go down to Idaho Falls last week and spend time with my friend and her family, including her two-year-old daughter, Fiona, who I consider my adopted niece. One morning, Fiona and I went out in the backyard to play. We swung on the swings, we played chase, we played hide-and-go-seek. And if you have never played hide-and-go-seek with a two-year-old, it's absolutely hilarious because they hide in the most obvious places, and when you're starting to count to 10, they can only wait about three seconds before jumping out and saying, here I am, here I am, before you even finished counting to 10, right? Well, after running around and playing in the damp grass, Fiona started exploring the backyard. And so I took the moment uh, to walk over to the table in the backyard, because I needed a drink of water, and this table, and chairs sat on a small stone patio. And after I walked onto the patio and started drinking my water, I heard Fiona say behind me, ooh, look. She had noticed that the damp soles of my shoes had made footprints on the dry stone. She immediately started to try to follow my footprints and my large steps. So I showed her that her shoes could also make footprints on the dry stone. I showed her how to stomp her feet in the wet grass and then carefully and slowly 
walk across the stone herself. She did and was fascinated and delighted that she could make footprints too. It never ceases to amaze me how much joy, delight, curiosity, and boundless energy young kids have. They notice things that I would never see. They giggle and smile at the simplest things. And so for me, children not only bring me happiness, but they help me to rediscover what pure joy is. Today we, expen uh, sorry, today we begin our extended Advent here at Holy Spirit, a season in our church year when we talk about waiting with anticipation and hope for the coming of Christ. And not just the celebration and remembrance of Jesus' birth at Christmas, but also the promised return of Jesus to restore all creation and rid the world of pain, hunger, violence, grief, and bodily death. For many kids and adults alike, simply waiting for Christmas can be tough. Many of us may feel like Fiona playing hide and seek, not being able to wait even until the count of 10 for Christmas to come, for the lights and the music, decorating and cookie making, parties, time with family and friends. We don't wanna wait. For others though, the Christmas season can be a difficult time, a time when we remember loved ones lost, a time when loneliness feels all the more potent when surrounded by people celebrating. A time when those who suffer so deeply in mind, body, or spirit that they struggle to find any happiness or joy, and they struggle to simply get out of bed in the morning. But regardless of whether you're excited for the Christmas season or apprehensive about it, it can be difficult for all of us and any of us to remain hopeful that God is still with us that God will keep God's promises, and that Christ will truly come again and finish what he started, especially when surrounded by the horrors of war and gun violence, poverty, disease, environmental destruction, mental health, addiction, and much, much more. It's just exhausting and overwhelming to think about it all. And so it seems very fitting, this Advent, that we wrestle with the question, how does a weary world rejoice? How do we find joy and remain hopeful in light of everything going on in the world? The Jewish people of Jesus' day had wrestled with the same questions for generations. As we read in our very, very long gospel for today, I bet some of you were wondering why on earth it was important to read this list of names for the first Sunday in Advent. In fact, many who read Matthew on their own simply glance at the long list of names and then move straight to the Christmas story because it's a lot better, let me tell you. But who were these people? Why are they worth mentioning? Well, the author of Matthew was a Jew and was writing to a Jewish audience primarily who, similar to us today, had been waiting for God to fulfill God's promises for over 2,000 years. And Abraham is considered the father of the Jewish people, the patriarch to whom God first made promises of descendants, land, wealth, and God's very presence among them and in them always, no matter what. 
It was through Abraham that the people of Israel came to be God's chosen people and receive the blessings which God had promised to Abraham, many of whom were assuming and hoping that David would be this Messiah that would fulfill these promises. But as we all know too well, our world is broken. Or as Paul puts it in our reading for Romans today, all creation suffers from the bondage of decay. The people of Israel suffered many things across many generations, as we still do today. And when the people were conquered, dispersed, and exiled from their homes and their country, many of them had given up hope. How do you rejoice in a situation like that? But God continued to be with them, and in fact made them yet another promise, the promise of a Messiah, an anointed one, who would bring justice, healing, and freedom to the people. And that's why the author of Matthew starts off his gospel with a genealogy that goes back to Abraham, because it connects Jesus with the story of God's salvation throughout history. It's also important to note that Matthew's genealogy includes five women, something that was rare to find in any genealogy of that day. In addition, four of these women, all those except for Mary, were Gentiles, outsiders, women of questionable professions. And it is believed that the author of Matthew includes these women because it first shows that God can and does work in unexpected and more inclusive ways than we can ever imagine. And second, it suggests that the inclusion of Gentiles, or non-Jews, was a part of God's plan all along. So not only is Jesus the Messiah that the people of Israel have been waiting for, the one who renews the hope of God's people and continues God's promises made to the people of Israel long ago, but Jesus also now extends these promises to all of creation as well, including you and me. So how does a weary world rejoice? How do we continue to find hope and pure joy in the midst of a broken world? Well, for me, it's in the little things that help me find happiness, joy, and life. Playing in the backyard, spending time with my kids, my family, and my friends, playing with my dogs, cozying up with a book and a cup of coffee, going for a walk in the sunshine when it comes out, and yes, even allowing myself to decorate for Christmas before Thanksgiving and listen to Christmas music. If it brings you joy, why not? And just like Matthew includes a genealogy of people who passed down the hope and promises of God throughout history, we too need to pass on that story of hope to others to not only leave footprints to follow, but to show the next generation and the next and the next how to continue to make footprints of joy and hope and love, keeping that spirit alive in the midst of the weariness, just as Jesus did and still does for us today. Nora began that journey today. And one day, Jesus' promises will be fulfilled and creation will be renewed and restored, and death and pain will be gone for good. 
I truly believe that and cling to that hope. But in the meantime, in the midst of this weary, broken world, while we try to wait with patience, we can rest assured that God Emmanuel is still with us, just as our psalm for today promises over and over again. God is with us here and now, working in and through us to bring joy to the world and continuing to change the world for the better, while also revealing little footprints of joy along the way. This Advent season, I pray that you seek and find those little footprints of joy in all the most unusual and wonderful places. Amen. <laughs>